This is Disney Forever. Welcome to our perpetual Disney movie investigation podcast. I'm Boyd, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie, who has amazing pull quotes like this. Rudy, dreaming again? That's four plates, three cups, and a platter so far this week. Today's presentation is Third Man on the Mountain from 1959. It's our last 50s movie. Katie, what is this one? This is a movie about some people that go and climb mountains, but specifically the Matterhorn. Well, they call it the Citadel in this one, but it literally is Matterhorn. Yeah, it's the Matterhorn. Um, so there's some history around this one. Uh, not a ton, but I did think it was interesting, the stuff that was in here. So this is based on a 1954 novel called Banner in the Sky by James Ramsey Ullman. Um, Disney bought the movie rights in 1957, so only three years after the book came out. Whereas a lot of the other like books that got turned into movies from Disney, there's a big gap between the book and when they bought the movie rights. This one was a pretty fast turnaround. And then the filming took place in 1958. So so it's like the novel came out in 54, they bought the rights in 57, and then they started filming in 58. So there was a really quick turnaround on this one for Disney compared to the other movies we've looked at for them. Um, and then the, the filming was actually split between sound stages in London and on location in Switzerland. And that was kind of where all of the filming was, one of those two locations. Um, filming on the Matterhorn in Switzerland was really hard for the entire crew. The crew was 170 people, and they all had to take a mountaineering course before filming started because the filming was going to be so hard to do on location um one of the things is a couple people got hurt during the making of this movie nobody got like seriously no one got killed right um everybody recovered but james donald which is one of the actors fell 18 feet off of a crag during shooting but he escaped with minor injuries it sounded like he bounced back really quick but one of the camera assistants uh pierre Taras, I think is his last name, is how you pronounce it. Um, he fell into a crevice and broke three ribs during the filming of this movie. So, like, this had injuries in it from the crew. Um, and then one of the main reasons we're covering this one, because we, we thought about skipping it because, like, the subject matter was like, eh, I don't know. Um, but this actually inspired the Matterhorn bobsled attraction at Disneyland, which Katie has a huge history with. So we had to cover this one. Um, the... <laughs> One, the only note that I have, because I figure Katie can fill us in a lot better than I can with her firsthand experience. But the thing I saw in um, the history aspect was that Walt Disney, while he was filming this movie and he was on location in Switzerland, he sent a souvenir on a postcard to his lead Imagineer at Disneyland. And he only wrote two words on it when he sent it. And he just said, build this. That was his entire instruction for building the attraction. So... That would normally get us to the high-level thoughts, but I feel like, Katie, we need to dive into your experience first. Um, is it crevice or crevasse? Crevasse. <laughs> I think both are correct. I know. I just the whole movie, we were hearing, like, he fell into a crevasse. Sorry. Um, no, both of them work. Yes. So I did, I did work on the Matterhorn bobsleds at Disneyland for two, three years. Like, that's where I was spent most of my time, really, towards the end of my career with Disney before I left. Um, but yeah, the Matterhorn was opened in 1959, so not long after this movie came out, I think. Oh, wow. That's really soon. Yeah. And it was the very first tubular steel continuous roller coaster um, ever built. And it was also one of the first roller coasters to use a block braking system. So... 
basically what that is is that like when a sled when the sled is in one zone the brakes are up in the other one which allowed for them to run multiple vehicles on the track at the same time interesting yeah it was one of the very first of its kind so it still exists the matterhorn is exactly one one hundredth of the size of the real matterhorn exactly that's actually pretty cool yeah i mean i don't think it might be a little bit shorter now because the matterhorn is literally sinking into the earth the last time i checked (laughs) um it's pretty rickety now it i mean it's been open since 1959 and up until i was there when they changed to the new bob sleds so it was using the original tandem sleds um when they switched to tandem because they originally had like one vehicle that fit i think four people and then it switched to using tandem so it could fit eight. Um, okay. No, two, four, six. Yeah, eight. Two, uh, four in each um, part of the sled, two in each seat. So there was like tandem riding. Yep. Um, but yeah, I loved working at the Matterhorn. It was very fun. I got injured several times while working there. That's not good. No. Uh, I fell in the station a couple of times and then I hit my head inside the mountain so hard. I think I gave myself a concussion possibly okay you might need to explain that more you hit your head inside of the mountain yeah so one of the things so um part of working at the attraction right is that the uh it broke down a lot it's old okay yeah um so part of that is that um when the attraction breaks down you have to walk through the track Right. To like find where all the I mean, you know where all the sleds are because of um, sensors and stuff like that. But you have to walk the track to make sure there's no sort of like obstruction or anything prior to evacuating the guests. And then and then you walk it again after evacuating the guests to make sure you didn't leave anybody behind. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good idea. It happens. Um, And then in order to restart the attraction, you literally have to push the sleds out. So, like, you become, like, a legitimate bobsled team. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you would send a team up of, of cast members up into the mountain, and then you go backwards to the top, right? So, like, the bottom zone, which is, like, 11, all the way up to 1. Yep. Um, and then as you get to a sled, you have to, like, you have a team of people who who push the sled out. So, like, you're running with it, and then you let go of it and let gravity take the rest of it. Like, yep. um. So it was a very physically demanding attraction. Um, I bet. Yeah, it was it was very fun. I made a lot of really good friends there and it was definitely a workout. Um, Lots of like running around in the station and like a lot of teamwork required to make that attraction like flow really well because you would have 10 sleds running at one time on one side. And it's it's like very fast. So you have to like get people in and sit down and like put their seatbelt on and then move the sleds and uh yeah. But it was very cool, like cause it's like the first kind of roller coaster of its time. Um, fun fact about Walt Disney, he was so excited about the roller coaster, they hadn't finished building the brake system at the bottom of the attraction, but he absolutely was adamant about being able to ride it. So they filled the 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 ponds with bales of hay and let him ride it and it, oh my gosh. that's how he stopped is it crashed into these bales of hay and he was like oh, i want to go again they were like absolutely not mr disney <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty interesting because like the the way the sleds like go up and like as they're coming down out of the mountain they use water to help slow them down that's why they're those ponds at the bottom 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so it crashes through the water to slow them down, and then it goes through the brakes and stuff like that. But it's kind of like a log flume ride, where like you use the water during different parts of it to slow it. Yeah, and they have like pacers to help keep the momentum of the sled because it's going up and down, and a lot of it is just gravity. It's all a gravity attraction. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty great. And then there's a yeti that lives in the mountain. His name is Harold. Just so you know. Okay. But that's, that's it. That's good to know. Yeah. It's awesome. super cool. Like they've changed it over the years. The Skyway used to go through the mountain, but it's not, doesn't do that anymore because the Skyway doesn't exist. So yeah. I like the behind the scenes though. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. Well, I guess back to the movie then. What did you think from a high level for this one? Um, Rudy just wants to climb mountains like his dad. That's literally. That's almost exactly what I said. I said he wants to climb the mountain that killed his father. <laughs> That's so that's so dramatic like this entire movie <laughs> this movie is pretty dramatic but like once you lean into it it's kind of fun um it kind of gets us into the moment so like like i said i actually like this one um there were one of the things that most impressed me and i guess it's not a single moment it's a lot of moments throughout the film but all of the shots are real on location shots on a mountain and they're actually climbing around on this mountain and there are so many shots that as i was watching them i was like this seems extremely dangerous what they're doing right now like the stunt performers or i think a lot of it is just the actors doing it and they just trained for it um I was like nervous on their behalf and I know this was shot 50 plus years ago and all of them are fine and I'm still watching it and I'm like they're doing this in a time when movies just did not have the same safety precautions that we have right now. I'm like any of them could have legitimately died doing these stunts which makes it all the more impressive when you watch it and you're like the sound stages that they talk about in London are like the interior shots all of the exterior shots that are on a mountain are literally in Switzerland on a mountain. It's it's kind of scary because like I don't I've I don't rock climb obviously. Like, but I've met the they used to have rock climb. They used to have mountaineers and stuff climb the side of the Matterhorn. That used to be a thing. Okay? So, and these yeah. people that used to do that were like legitimate mountain climbers like that was their career so i've talked to them before and like all of the stuff that they do in relation to like knowing how to climb mountains there's so much safety equipment that they use and stuff like that now unless you're like free climbing which also sounds super terrifying but that's pretty much what they were doing in this movie was free climbing all they had was a rope that connected them to each other and nothing to the mountain no, they're not even like anchoring or like, yeah, they it's three people tied together. So like if someone falls, hopefully the other people catch them and you don't all just fall off the mountain together. Yeah, it's it was like absolutely horrifying to watch the entire time. Like it was really good, but it was just like, I don't, are these people going to die? Like, are yeah. they? <laughs> and it's, it's one of those things where it's like, Of course, that's how they did it at the time because Mm -hmm. of where we were with filmmaking. But like you couldn't make a movie like this today. Like you literally just couldn't do this. It's so unsafe in so many ways. Like there would be so much extra safety, so many like stunt teams and coordination. You would do a lot of this just on green screen or with CG or um, you would do it 
in ways that were extra safe. And then in post, you would go back with CG and you would cover up all the extra wires, cover up all the extra safety or make it look like they're on a mountain when they're really on a green screen. So it's one of those things that's like when you just look at the surface of it, it's not that impressive because you've seen more incredible shots of people like hanging from a mountain by one hand, like a Tom Cruise movie or something. Right. Um, maybe that's not a good example because Tom Cruise actually does a lot of his own stunts. But, I think maybe you're talking about like cliffhanger or whatever. Yeah. 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 Like you've seen movies like that and yeah. you're like, Ooh, dramatic shot. Right. And they don't have as dramatic shots in this. Like the framing is not dramatic because they can't get a camera there. The thing that's impressive is like, the stunt work that's actually being done because it's all legitimate. Yeah. Like they're legitimately climbing this mountain and I don't, I don't know what it was, but it was just like, I was trying to watch it while also working, but spending more time watching the movie than working. (laughs) All right. Fair. Um, Because it was very interesting, right? Because they were legitimately climbing this mountain. Like it wasn't fake. Yeah, it was good. Like, it was really well done. And obviously, they're not, like, actually at the top of the mountain when they're getting up there. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. like, not how you would do it. But even just the fact that they're climbing on it for real. So that was, like, the standout thing for me above everything else. Yeah. I... (laughs) I was dying because there was literally some of the most dramatic music I've ever heard in my entire life. But then you're like, (laughs) nothing bad ever happened. I think like two or three times something bad happened, like the rocks fell and hit. uh, What is Captain Winter? Captain Winter. And then or hit the other guy, the other guide. Or whatever, yeah. and then he like fell off the side of the mountain and you know rolled down the mountain in the snow or whatever. But that was like it. Yeah, I guess that brings me to one of the other moments I want to call out is at the beginning, near the beginning, when he just kind of like wanders off from work to go explore the mountain because it looks like he does this often, where he's just like playing hooky from work, and he ends up stumbling on a crevasse or a crevice, whatever we're going with, um, where. So there's a tourist stuck down there and he's going to like, he's like, oh, I can like help this tourist out. He was all on his own. He's like, okay, I'll lower down my rope and the rope doesn't work. So he just like whips off his shirt and he just like jury rigs, (laughs) (laughs) he jury rigs like his shirt and a rope together around his, I don't even know what it is. It's kind of like an ax, kind of a walking stick, kind of a shovel pole thing. Um, And he's... (laughs) He's like straining against it to like pull up this guy and the guy is in like he doesn't look like he's in winter gear because none of them really do. No. Like it's it's old school climbing gear. It's not modern winter gear that we're used to. Um, And he gets him up and that ends up being one of the main characters of the film is the guy he rescues is like a famous explorer who climbs mountains. Um, And that kind of kicks off the rest of the film. But that scene was just like. It didn't make me laugh in the moment, but there was something in hindsight that was just hilarious about the structure of the way he like whipped his shirt off and he like strained against this thing. And I was like, is this the 1950s equivalent of a thirst trap? Like, what am I looking at here? (laughs) You know? (laughs) 1950s equivalent of a thirst trap. (laughs) Why would you say (laughs) tell me i'm wrong no you're not wrong but also how beautifully stitched together was that jacket and that shirt for it to hold an the weight of an entire person oh man i feel like clothes now would have ripped for sure yeah absolutely your nike polo or whatever like that's not gonna hold up a man (laughs) 
<laughs> attached to the skinniest, weakest no. rope I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. No. I was de- so that scene. Yeah. That yeah. scene just stuck out in my head. <laughs> I mean, it's a little ridiculous. Um, I just love the like parts at the end where the other guide was literally the whole time was like, leave me here to die. <laughs> and, and Rudy was like, no, I can't. A guide never leaves a man behind or some BS like that. It was just really funny. Yeah, that was overly dramatic in the best way possible where I was laughing about it, too. Yeah, it was just like he's like, I can't I can't possibly go on. I'm like. The tents are literally right there. Like, yeah. you want to freeze to death while you're up here, and the tent is, like, literally right there. Okay, I got to talk about my other favorite, like, small moments. So there's a part where Rudy, some stuff happens. It doesn't matter that much. Watch the movie if you're interested in, like, all of the plot by beat by beat plot details. Um, but his uncle basically tells him, like, hey, Rudy, you messed up. You're not allowed to, like be an apprentice guide anymore and so he takes all of his like really nice climbing stuff that captain winter had bought for him and he sells it all because he's like no you don't get to any of this anymore i'm gonna sell it and like get some of the money back and um so rudy's girlfriend actually ends up buying his like amazing boots that captain winter had bought from him which was like the best piece of his climbing kit and so it's nice of her that she buys it and then she brings it back and she's like, yeah, I'll lend you my boots whenever you want to go climbing. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of sweet. But then later in the movie, when there's this scene where like um, the old climber kind of brings Rudy and his girlfriend both back to he's like, we're going to go do like climbing school, like when they were little kids, you know, um, and he's arguing with her and <laughs> she just looks at him and she goes, do you prefer to go barefoot or wearing my boots? So she's just like holding it over him as like, hey, I'm going to take these away from you. These are my boots if you don't listen to me. And I just like loved that dynamic. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty funny. She was, it was great. Good. I liked yeah. her. It me was too. The, the whole like, it reminded me very much of like the dynamic between people on like Oklahoma. Yeah, I could see that too. I was just like, really? Really? This is what we're doing? But all right. Gotta have a love interest. Couldn't possibly have a movie without a love interest. Yeah, I guess. Oh, my God. But can we talk about how Rudy got credit for making it all the way to the top of the mountain when he didn't even make it up there? Yeah, he was close, though. I know. I know. And they, like, put his shirt or something up there. Or axe. He would have done it. Yeah. Yeah. In theory, he would have. They're trying to give him credit because he was being a good guy. Well, he didn't leave the other guy to die, even though he wanted to leave me here to yeah. die. And Rudy's like, no, no, I'll save your life. And I he didn't. will save you. Yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, that probably gets us to the bad and the good. Um, I actually, surprisingly, for a 50s movie, I don't have that much bad. Um, I think the only thing here is that the dialogue scenes are a little slower because it's in that 50s style. But that's me being nitpicky, and most of the movies from that era that we watched are like that. That's really the only thing for me. Yeah, I just put it was like a little slow going in certain parts, but that's like it. Yep. Yeah, but not... I mean, even that is like... I feel like we're... We gotta find something for the bad, but it's like, there's not a ton you could trim from this. Like, it's not actually edited poorly. I thought it was pretty well paced. No, I mean, they did a pretty good job with what it was about. Like, it's literally just about people climbing a mountain, and that's what this movie yeah. is about. With a love interest, because you can't possibly not have that. 
Of course. So the good, a lot of things we mentioned here, but I think the stunts and the real climbing is like the standout for me, like absolutely number one thing. Um, And along with that, just the on location shooting in Switzerland, because you got to remember for the, you know, three people in the shot on the mountain, you have a crew of 170 people supporting them that are behind the camera in one way or another. Um, And so like, that whole aspect of the production is incredible and then also just like the cinematography is really well done for the time period for these mountaineering shots on location again you can't get the dramatic angles like you can with cg or like modern movie making but for the time and the place the cinematography was like excellent um and then i thought the story was actually pretty decent overall too yeah I liked the mountain climbing. I thought that was really cool. I also really liked the sound that their boots made when they were on the rocks. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. I just really liked it a lot. Um, it's and like then, satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those like weird, satisfying sounds. Um, and then obviously, like, it's literally about the Matterhorn. So how could I not love it? Yeah. So would you watch it again? Actually, yeah, I probably would. Yeah, me too, which is not at all what I thought I'd say before seeing it. I thought this would be another 50s movie that we wrote off, but we had to do it because you had worked at the Matterhorn. And now I'm like, wow, this was like good. Like it was actually good. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys want to watch along, what we have coming up next, we're going to do Blank Check from 1994, The Sword in the Stone from 1963, D3, The Mighty Ducks from 1996, and then the one and only genuine original family band which I know you all can't wait for from 1968. <laughs> um, don't forget, we have a network, we have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the Geekery blog, all that and more at geek2geekmedia.com, which brings us to Geekery. Katie, what did you do this week? I did a lot of BTS stuff, like a, cool. wh- a whole lot. So I went to Vegas actually twice in two weeks, which is actually it's almost like pretty much a week apart from each other. I flew to Vegas for a single day because that is possible. Um, So I could meet my friend Becky, who did the podcast art for You Can't Stop Me Loving K-Pop. Oh, cool. She and I have been friends for pretty much like two years because I I started talking to her in in early 2020. And we've never met in person because she lives in another country. So she and her mom are coming to CBTS for the first weekend that they were performing in Vegas. And I literally couldn't miss that opportunity to meet her. So I flew there for like 18 hours. I was there total. Um, and I got to meet her. I spent the whole day with her and her mom and they're wonderful people. Um, that's awesome. It was very, very fun. Like we pretty much did all of the stuff that I would have done this last weekend. Um, which made this last weekend like super chill. So I didn't have to do any of that. (laughs) Um, But like a weird thing happened. We went to go see, um, because BTS pretty much took over all of Las Vegas in some way. Yeah, you talked about that on last episode or two episodes ago. Yeah, so they like pretty much took over the whole city. And one of the things that they did is that they changed the music for the fountain show at the Bellagio. Yep. And so we went to go watch the the fountain show and uh, we watched the first show, which was at three o'clock on Friday. And also during that time, BTS's entire press team was there. Um, and the security guard made it seem like we were going to get to see BTS, but we were a bunch of clowns because BTS was <laughs> doing sound check at that exact same time. Um, 
But anyways, uh, so we watched the show and like her, Becky's mom was like in super into it. And then uh, one of the people, two of the people on the press team next to the like section that we were standing next to started filming us because her mom was like dancing and singing. Oh, yeah. And then afterwards, they came over to interview us. <laughs> like, how long have you been fans of BTS? Like, how old are you? Like, all of these questions. And I was just like, is BTS going to see this? Please don't show them. I don't need them to actually know I exist. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it was really, it was kind of crazy that that, like, actually happened. So. How was the actual concert, though? Oh, it was super good. So, Steph. Okay. Steph, who's a who listens to podcasts, I met her because of the podcast. Um, she and I have become super great friends. Like we went to, you know, we've done tons of things together. She came to my house. I met. I've been to her house. We went to Napa. We've vacationed together several times, actually. Amazing. Um, so she came with me to the concert, and she's never been to like an actual like full on like full K pop concert, and she absolutely loved it. Cool. That's good. Yeah. I gave her, um, cause you've heard me talk about like light sticks before, right? Like every group yeah. has a light stick. So, uh, BTS is, is Bluetooth enabled. So you register your light stick to your section C and row number. Right. Okay. And then on, cause they have an app. So you just like register your light stick. And then throughout the show, it changes colors and stuff and interacts with the show as it goes on. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. And Steph was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Because <laughs> I have two BTS light sticks. I have the newest version and then the previous version. So I took took it for her so that she could have the whole experience. And she loved it. Um, we made some friends with people that were sitting next to us. They were really nice. Um, and then we did some other BTS related activities. They had a pop-up. They had two pop-ups at this place called Area 15 in Vegas. So we went over there. Um, one of them was like a behind the scenes photography exhibit of like them preparing for the permission to dance shows that they did. The one and the ones in Seoul, the ones in LA and then this one. Um, and then the other one was sort of this like pop up, like almost like Instagram style museum. Right. Cause they had like different sets from their, from dynamite butter and permission to dance videos. So you could like yeah. take photos well, they weren't letting anybody actually take pictures. You had to only record video the whole time you were in there, so it was really awkward. Um, I don't know. There wasn't that many people, so I don't know why they weren't letting us do that, but whatever. Um, took a bunch of videos. Steph took a bunch of pictures of me in there, and overall, we had a wonderful time. Did a lot of walking. Ate a lot of food. Saw a lot of BTS stuff. Good. I'm glad it went well. It sounds awesome. Yeah, I think she liked the part where I was like with the day of the concert, we were like sitting waiting for this like tram to come pick us up. And there were other people that were staying at our hotel that were also going. And like I had this like fan of Jin, one of the members. So it was very clear where we were going. Like it wasn't a secret. (laughs) And so people would just come up to me and be like, how are you getting to the concert? What are you doing? Like. Oh my god, I love your fan. Oh my god, BTS, like all the stuff. Steph was loving it. And I was like, as a as an introvert, I'm dying on the inside. <laughs> but it was it was wonderful. Lots of people came up to talk to me and stuff, and Steph is loving every moment of that. So Oh good. That's awesome. No, I'm glad it went well. It was fun. It was very good. Long drive though. 
my God. <laughs> Driving from my house to Las Vegas is like three and a half to four hours in the car. Ugh. Yeah, that'll add up. Mm-hmm. I'm not as sympathetic because I'm from the Midwest and I'm used to driving everywhere. So, but still that's, yeah. Yeah. We'll leave it there. Yep. Um, for me this week, I, I watched Bridgerton season two, which I mentioned a week or two ago where like my wife and I had started it, but we didn't get very far. We got like halfway through the first episode. So then we went and we finished the first episode and then we watched the second one right after. And then we were hooked. So we were into the season. So we just watched the entire thing in like, I can't remember if it was two or three nights, but it was pretty much back to back over a couple nights. Um, and it ended up being good. We liked it. Um, maybe not as good as the first season, but it was still solid. And like, we're excited for more seasons of this going forward because there's a lot of threads they can pick up with all of the other members of the family. There's definitely more story to tell. I didn't, I didn't know what this season was going to be about um, until I started watching it. And then I was like, Oh, it's literally about Anthony. So yeah. Yeah, basically. So it it was kind of like getting over, the his initial characterization and like once you start to see like okay he has more depth and there's more going on with him um then it becomes more interesting and then you get into some of the like friends to lovers type of tropes and then we're like okay now we're into this you know i mean i do love friends to lovers kind of trope wait not friends enemies that's what i mean enemies to to lovers i do like that but to a certain point i'm actually kind of tired of that particular storyline um yeah they could have gone any direction of course they chose that one i don't do as much romance type of stuff so i still like the the tropes that are tried and true they usually work on me because for me it's usually further and farther farther between but yeah mm-hmm. i liked season two and ended up being good yeah i was i didn't know if i was gonna like it and i had like things to say about the middle of the season and then by the end i was like okay i kind of like this <laughs> yeah Cool. Um, well, that's probably it for this week. You guys can find us all over the internet. Our email address is DisneyForeverPodcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at DisneyEverPod. You can also talk to us in real time by joining our Slack workspace or our Discord server. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the geek to geek podcast with BJ Keaton. You can also find me on both Twitter and Instagram by searching the handle at Lady Catherine P. I am also the co-host of two other podcasts with my best friend, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, and you can't stop me loving K-pop. This has been Disney Forever with Katie and Void. We'll be back next week as long as Disney keeps making content. That can't be forever, right? I mean, technically, they could make more movies about their other mountain attractions like Everest and Big Thunder Mountain or something. 